Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. morning church um, um i've been giving fine um i've been giving pastoral oh, we've been talking money money sorry i've been giving pastoral authority to instruct everyone here that at the end of my reading i'll say this is the word of the lord and you respond by saying okay our reading is taken from luke 7 luke 7 from verses 36 to 50 Luke 7, 36 to 50, I read. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Be judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to, mom, to, began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. God has been good to us um, in City Church, and one of the ways you can see that is 
Just look at Tedu. <laughs> and so I've also the video that was there. And you see how the man has transformed. You know, many people try to make fun of my um, my one my one uh, pack. But but Tedu's one is a double pack. Not two packs, double pack. Well, good morning again, and um, a special welcome to everyone, but a special welcome to people who are visiting with us. Um, there are a number of faces I've seen that uh, got invited, but there are some people I don't know, and um, just want to thank you for, you know, um, gracing this occasion for us. This, this is really, it means a lot to us that you are here, and uh, today is really, really a time that uh, is important. And to everyone in City Church, I, sh I should say, uh, happy 5th year anniversary, City Church. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, uh, but the Lord has been faithful, hasn't he been? Thanks be to God. All right, so I do want to speak to us. Um, we've been doing a series where, because of reflection on the fact that we are five, we are reflecting on who we are, but we are using that to propel us into who we will continue to be, or who God is even going to make us to be in the coming years. Now, in the last four weeks, we've spoken ab about our identity as a gospel-centered church. What does it mean to be gospel-centered? That was the first thing. Second was that because we're a gospel-centered church, we pursue gospel renewal. And what, is, what was that? And then the last three sermons were dedicated to our values the values that we have in this church. And so the first one we did was love Lagos. The second one, City Church loves Lagos. The second one was City Church loves what? People. And today we are talking about City Church loving um, Jesus. You know, um, Sharon prayed about some of the partners that we have, and God has blessed us with some partners that are not in the country. And uh, one of the things I like to tell them is that if you are visiting, because some of them want to come and visit Nigeria, if you are visiting Nigeria, I say, quickly prepare them. I say, look, we don't have the, an Eiffel Tower. No, we don't. I swear if you are coming to Lagos. I say, we don't have a Statue of Liberty. You know? I mean, we have the thing at the Koilink Bridge. But it may be good for us. It is not good for other people. I say, we don't have museums. We don't have Imperial War Museums. We don't have Tate Modern. We don't have those things. What do we have in Lagos? One thing. People. People. Our tourist attraction is what? People. We have lots of them. We have little land. We have lots of people. And because you have people, when densely put together, we come up with inventions. Inventions that, you know, produce culture. We come up with great music. We come up with great art and all of those things. But there is one invention that Lagos produced and exported to the world. The thing I would say that we should be most famous for. The most important thing, I think, close to the most important thing that has come out of this city. And you know what it is? It's called one word, Oambe. <laughs> I love Oambes. I mean, I don't know. Can I get an email here? Who, who knows what an Oambe is? Oambe. Oambe reminds me of, um, I don't know if you ever heard this tale. It was called this, the, the, the Adventures of Zot and Lala. Did you ever read that? No. No, you don't know. No. Oh, maybe, well, well, it was me and a friend of mine in uni. Uh, one of us was Zot, the other one was Lala. I'm not going to tell you who was what. But Zot and Lala, if you ever wanted to get us, if you said something like, 
ah, there is this uh, club party that is happening around this time in the night. It never it didn't interest us. If you said that there was um, a, a night party, you know, at one, um, maybe one of the, the clubs, the club, not the cults, clubs. You know, we are, I don't, there were cults at one point, but when I entered school, they now became clubs. No, they didn't become clubs. No, they were different. But clubs were a, a, an upgraded version of cults. They just didn't do, oh, it's not working. <laughs> when they drove out cults, guys gathered together and they wanted to be more, you know, more aspirational, more ambitious, so they formed clubs. Good. So when clubs were doing parties, people used to love club parties and everything, it did not move Zot and Lala. But if you heard, if you said something like this, ah, this guy's father is turning 75. Eh? <laughs> or this guy's brother is getting married. We will be there. We will be there. Then some of you will ask, what if you are not invited? Our problem was like, since when was that a problem in Lagos for Oambe? There's, there's no, we will get there. Look, and there was nothing knowing Mrs. Williams could not solve. You don't know what that is. Go to a party and they say, ah, who are you? We just say you are with Miss Williams. Ah, they'll say, come and sit down, Miss Williams. There's always a Miss Williams that's connected to them. <laughs> so we go, you know, um, uh, so as I was saying, you know, being uninvited is not a problem in Lagos parties. People think about it. That's why we even have a phrase. It's called Mugbo. I heard, I branched. And so any responsible party planner even if you are responsible, you are the one planning, you always build into your budget people that you did not invite. Do you understand? You plan for the uninvited. And so it's not a problem. And as it's not a problem in our time, it wasn't a problem in Jesus' time. You see, people had parties and you invited people. In fact, this guy with the Pharisee invited Jesus for a party. Most likely threw the party for Jesus. But then an uninvited person came. As I said, in those times, it was not a problem. But as it was back then, and it is with us, here is the thing. You can come to a party and oh, I bet that you are not invited to, as long as you obey one cardinal rule, which is what? Don't be a distraction. Don't come close to where the hosts are and the VIPs are. Sit at the word back. You may not get fish, but you get pomo. <laughs> right? You may not get uh, uh, champagne, but you will get limka. By the way, limka is back. I'll show you. No, I don't know. It's really nice. But this party that was thrown in Jesus' honor, the person that was uninvited, a specific woman that was uninvited, she broke the cardinal rule. She actually became the center of attention. And the question is, why is this story put here for us? Let me tell you why it's put here for us. It's because this woman is going to teach us something. The most important value, I hope, that we have in this church, but the most important value that you should have in your life. You see, once this woman came into the scene, all of a sudden she started to act bizarrely. She started to do strange things. And people were looking at her in a certain way, in a repulsive way. She astonished everyone there except Jesus. She may have been inappropriate for everyone, but she was very appropriate for Jesus. She may not have been to everyone's taste, but Jesus found her to be sweet enough. 
She may not have been socially cultured for the guests, but Jesus found her to be sophisticated enough. Why? There was something that she had there that nobody else had. And something that Jesus is pointing to us is the most important virtue we can have. She loved Jesus very much. In the last couple of weeks, I said we've been looking at all the different values that we have. Yes, love Lagos is important. Love people is important. But at the center of it all, it is this, that we are called to love Jesus. Can I ask you, if you claim to know Jesus, do you love him? You may claim to serve Jesus. Do you love him? You may claim to follow Jesus. Do you love him? City Church, if any good thing has come out of this church, I would say it's connected to this thing that we have strived. We may not be perfect, but we have pushed all we can to show that we love Jesus. And if we are ever going to move forward to be a legitimate church, not in the eyes of people, but in the eyes of God himself, then we must continue to do what? Love Jesus. So I pray at the end of this sermon, maybe as a visitor you've come in here, maybe you have become familiar with Jesus, or maybe you have been in church and you need to see that thing rekindled. I pray that at the end of this sermon, something definite will happen to you today. I pray that at the end of this sermon, where your love for Jesus is waning, somebody's love for Jesus will resurrect this morning. And I pray for those who have not yet ever come to that position to love Jesus, you make the most important decision in your life. A decision you'll never regret. That you come to love Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we look to you right now. We're asking for something special this morning. But we've taken time out of our day to come, and we have not come to hear and listen to men's words. We've not come, oh God, here to be entertained. Lord, we've come here to hear definitely from you. So we pray, Holy Spirit, arrest our hearts. Arrest my own mouth. Lord, I pray that I'll speak as an oracle of the Lord. I pray that you will use me as a channel to speak freely about the one who saved us, the one who is Lord over everything. And I pray, Lord, that with that, O oh God, you will make lives burn for you this morning. Do it for us, O oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, this sermon is titled, City Church Loves Jesus. And we're looking at it under three headings. Inviting Jesus, pursuing Jesus, and receiving Jesus. Inviting Jesus, pursuing Jesus, and receiving Jesus. Let's start with the first point, inviting Jesus. Now, one of the um, wonderful things about growing up, right, about growing, is you're able to see the transition and the change that happens around whether in society or in culture. So very recently, one of my children was telling me about his best friend, the argument they got into. That one said that he supported Manu, wait for it, and Arsenal. <laughs> and my son was like, you can't do that. And he said, yes, I can. He said, why will you do that? I said, because I want to. Now for some of us, that was, that was a problem. But things have changed. Cultures move. And at this point, they feel that you can support Maya and Arsenal together. And you can be forgiven for thinking that you have witnessed a change in culture as you are reading this story. Why? Because if you've ever read the Gospels, the four books of 
uh, about Jesus in the Bible, one thing you will come uh, uh, across, one thing you'll be very sure about is this. Jesus and the Pharisees could never be friendly. Jesus and the Pharisees could never be what? Friendly. But here you come and you see that a Pharisee invited Jesus for a party. What's going on? Now, on the surface of it, everything seems to be good. Maybe this is a different kind of Pharisee. Especially when you compare it with the antagonistic encounters he had with other people. But you see, everything was about to change, and we could see who this guy really was when this woman came in. Because in verse 37, right, after the guest came in, after she, uh, the woman came in, we eventually see that she started to do strange things from verse 37b to 38. And yet this woman is not rebuked by Jesus. And because she wasn't rebuked by Jesus, and because this man said, thought at least in himself that he knew who this woman was, a sinner, that made him think differently about Jesus. He had a problem. That problem expressed itself in two ways, the way he thought about the woman and the way he thought about Jesus. But it was one problem he had. And you know what that problem was? Self-love. He loved himself too much. Let me explain. You see, when the woman came in, he looked at her and he said, ah, if Jesus knew who this woman was, this woman is a sinner. Ah, if Jesus knew who she was, maybe he would have treated her differently. In saying that, because the woman was on the floor, and him saying the woman is a sinner and Jesus would have treated her differently, you know what he was also saying? He was saying, she is a sinner and I am not a sinner. Are we together? You see, he and Jesus are rolling together. Jesus is reclining with him. And so he's looking at this woman touching Jesus' feet and he's wondering, why would Jesus allow her to do this? Jesus can recline with me because I am not like this woman. She is a sinner and I am not. Maybe I can illustrate with this thing. One of the good things that um, has happened with us as a church is my different identities. Um, uh, yes, people like to know me as the lead pastor of this church, but my favorite, favorite title is what? CSTO, Chief Storytelling Officer, but I'm not telling a story today. But you all know also that there's another title that has been coming that I've become really fond of. It's not the G CSTO, it's the what? Eh? The G? Yeah, GQM, the Grand Quiz Master. I have a quiz for you guys today. All right? I want, I, I, for those who are visiting, I want you to know that City Church is a very brilliant church. We have people that, they, they, always, they always score well on all the other exams except on my own quiz. But I have three pictures of people I want you to identify, if you know any of these people. All right? Three pictures. First one, who is this? <laughs> who is that? Uh, who is that? Shino Rambo. How many of us know who Shino Rambo was? Yeah, yeah, yes. He terrorized us in the, in the early 90s. Okay, that's Shino Rambo. Second one. Uh, wrong. It was meant to be. Okay, but who is this? You can't see what? He doesn't, he doesn't know it. This is what I'm saying. Who is this? Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. Okay. 
We'll get to that. And then, third one. <laughs> the, way, the way some of you reacted is like he's a hero to some of you. Uh, no, no, no. Who is this? Hush puppy. Hush puppy. <laughs> Bring them together now. I want to ask you something. I want to ask you something. What is the difference fundamentally, vocationally between these three? Eh? Is what? Packaging. The only difference between them is what we call what? Packaging. Because you see this guy, you see this guy, Shino Rambo, he's a thief. He was a thief. Do you understand? Do you see this guy? Do you see this guy? He was a thief as well. He was a thief. Forget the Louis Vuitton, whatever. Do you see this guy? As in, if they are, if they are enthroning thieves, this man, this man is responsible for the biggest financial fraud in history. Eh? He was sentenced to 150 years because of it. But he was mixing with the highest of the elites in America. What am I pointing out here? Whether you are an arm robber, or whether you are a Yahoo boy, or whether you are a financial fraudster, a thief is what? A thief. The mistake that Simon the Pharisee made is that he was thinking, because he and that woman were outwardly different, that he was different from her. Simon looked at her, and said, this woman is a sinner. He could not see that he himself was what? A sinner. He had so much love for himself that he could see the flaws of another person, but he could not see the flaws of his own self. Amen. And so Jesus put him in check. In verses 44 to 46, there was this, that you see this combination of this phrase. Jesus says to him, he says, you did not but she did. You did not, but she did. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. He's saying this. You may look at her on the outward, um, Simon. I think because she looks in a particular way, she is a sinner, and you are not. But actually, since I got into this place, this woman has been much more better than you. Men look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. I don't know, for some of us, I don't know, maybe you come into a church like this, and some of us have been rolling, and you see people coloring their hair. And you say, he's a Christian, she's a Christian, but... You know, they are not yet, there are levels to this. Maybe you come in here and you see guys with dreadlocks. You say, ah, I'm not sure, this one cannot be a Christian. All these Rastafarians, no, you can't be a Christian, you know? Because we look on the outward, whereas God tests what? The heart. One of the most disgusting things about self-love and self-righteousness, it's its ability to blinding you to your own flaws, but to enlarging 
your eyeballs to the flaws of others. Simon was so in love with himself. It will shock you. On that day in Jesus' kingdom, the people that you will see there, the people that will be present, and then the people that will be absent. Just you say, hey, Tedu, you may come. <laughs> because Jesus says this. Look, a chapter after Jesus says this very simply because of the way people looked on the outward. Whereas God looked at the other. Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, verse 11 and 12, he says this. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. They will be there. But the subjects of the kingdom, those who said Abraham is our father, they will be cast out. It is possible to look on the outward like you are following God. It is possible to have Christian values and yet not love Jesus. It is possible to look like you are hanging out with Jesus and yet you are not actually following him. Part of the way we test this is how do we look at other people? Are you the kind of person that is so critical of others to the detriment of your own self-critique? Are you one of those people on Facebook or, or, or well, there's many on Facebook. Once one pastor has said one particular thing, oh boy, this is a way for you to get more followers and more comments. You know that's why you do it. It doesn't matter if they've been doing 95% of good things. You're just waiting for that 5% where they slip up. Or maybe you are the kind of husband or maybe you are the kind of wife. They, your spouse cannot do anything good. Even in the good that they do, there's one small thing you can find that why didn't you do it this way? Because I know that I will never do it that way. That is somebody that is so in love with themselves. And let me tell you, if you love yourself too much, not only will you be always criticizing people, you will not be able to love your neighbor as yourself because you're always loving yourself above your neighbor, but there's something even worse. You will not be able to truly love Jesus. Let me explain. Let's keep going forward. You see, Simon related with Jesus based on what he thought about himself and what he thought Jesus was good for. A few years ago, there was a younger lady who had just gotten employment, or just getting into the employment scene. And so I pushed her to speak to an older lady. In fact, I told her, I said, go to this older lady. This lady has experience. I've related with her. Let her be your mentor. What did I say? Let her be your... I knew problem had started. The first time I looked, I saw them chatting, and I heard her call the mentor by her first name. I knew problem had started. Now, some of you say, ah, ah, now, what is there? Is it by force? Where is it in the Bible that you must call somebody that is your mentor, uncle, uh, mentor or your uh, yeah, yeah, mentor, auntie, or uncle? Where is it in the Bible? Okay, no problem. Be checking for Bible. <laughs> so she started calling her first name, first name. Before I knew it, I started seeing her talk about my friend on social media. Maybe you are questioning me about when they start calling first names, Abby. She now was calling the person what? My friend. There's no problem. No problem. Me, I knew there was a problem. Eventually, I called her. 
I said, what have you learned from this, your friend? She now started waffling. You know, when, you know what I mean by waffling? You are trying to give an answer, but you don't give any answer. She said a lot of things, but she didn't really say anything. And eventually, just to show that she had not learned anything, and I was not surprised. Why? Because I sent her to a mentor, but she was going to a friend. It's important to be friendly with your mentor, but she wanted to be friendly with the mentor as a pair. How she treated the older lady said a whole lot more about what she felt about herself, not the lady. And what did she feel about herself? She did not need any help. When Simon invited Jesus to the place, remember what he called Jesus in verse 40? He called Jesus what? A teacher. And as long as he saw Jesus as a teacher, he was only going to get that from Jesus. Maybe some teaching. You see, he admired Jesus for his teaching. But he too was a Pharisee, which meant that he too used to teach people. So it was one teacher to another teacher. Maybe this teacher, you know a little bit more than me. But that's just it. So he liked to hang around with Jesus. Maybe he thought that Jesus would give him some street cred because Jesus was a street teacher. He'd give him some street cred in his party. But he still saw Jesus as what? A teacher. In fact, it was, you can see that they were pairs because when Jesus came and Simon told him to sit down, he reclined on the table. So Simon reclined on the table with Jesus. Why? He saw Jesus as his pair. Whereas this woman came, and when she came, she bowed down, and Simon called her a sinner. In other words, only sinners need saviors. Simon did not see himself as a sinner. So when he saw Jesus, Jesus, who is the savior, he didn't see him as a savior. He saw him as what? A teacher. Over-familiarity breeds over-contempt. Simon was familiar with Jesus in such a way that meant that the core identity of Jesus was hidden from him. Are you here and you are very comfortable with Jesus? You are very what? Familiar with Jesus. You see, part of the problem is because Simon was the one that invited Jesus to his party. In fact, he was first identified twice as the person who invited Jesus. You know, if, you, if I invite you to my house, I can, tell, I can show you, if I, if, if I invite you to my house, not if you just stumbled, right? If I invite you to my house, you have a good time. You have a good time. If I invite you to my house, you have a good time. I'm committed to allowing you to have maximum enjoyment with one condition, on my own terms. On my terms. It's my house. So you will have a lot of fun, but you will not be allowed to come into my bedroom. It's my house. You have a lot of fun, but you will not be allowed to get drunk. It's my house. I invited you. You can come and have a lot of fun, but you will not be allowed to combine spaghetti and dodo. It's my house. It's my house. Because as long as you are an invited guest, you can have fun based on the person who invited you's terms. Do you understand where I'm going? You see, he invited Jesus. And because he invited Jesus, he was familiar with Jesus. He didn't love Jesus. Can I suggest something? Can I ask just one question? Is it possible that many of us are not loving Jesus because we invited Jesus into our hearts? You said a prayer and you said, Jesus, why don't you come into my heart? Because you really do want to enter my heart. That's what they told me. And you know what? There's some use for you. Some people say that you are a way maker. 
I need a way towards my spouse. Some people say you are a miracle worker. And so maybe we have invited Jesus and we are looking at Jesus and all these other things that he is. It's true, Jesus is a teacher, but he's much more than a teacher. You see, because we admire teachers, but we worship saviors. This woman saw something at the heart of Jesus that he did not see. It's very possible to be familiar with Jesus. There was a president of the United States one time. He was a crusader for Christian values. He was a crusader for Christianity. He was talking about bringing Jesus back, not allowing people to take away Jesus from our schools and everything. They asked him one question. Have you ever prayed for forgiveness? He said, I don't need forgiveness. But he was a champion for Jesus. So maybe you are an ex-co in school. Bible secretary. That doesn't mean that you love Jesus. Maybe you've led worship for 20 years. You can be familiar with Jesus, but not love Jesus. Why? Because you are more in love with someone else, yourself. Is that you today? And I want us to really see this, because don't forget, Simon is hanging out with Jesus. It's like those sad people who, they are in church, they record themselves worshiping Jesus, and they post it on their stories. The center of attraction is not the person that they are worshipping. It is them worshipping the person that is meant to be worshipped. Are, are you getting it? You are letting people see, hey man, see how much I love Jesus, can you? Sorry. You can be familiar with Jesus. That doesn't mean you love Jesus. Amen. But I pray that as we look at this woman in the second point, Somebody is going to love Jesus today. Or maybe somebody who used to love Jesus, all of a sudden now, you are now questioning, I pray that God will restore our love for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's go to this woman pursuing Jesus number two. Spend too much time on Simon, but we should look at this woman. Now, these people are very different. Notice how different they are. There are some things that are obvious. One, he's a man. She's a woman. Second, he's a Pharisee. Here, he tells us that this woman was a town woman, a city woman. He's the party host. She's an uninvited guest. Yes, all of those surface things are there. But there are some that are even deeper that is more important. It was her posture. Her posture. First of all, Simon invited Jesus. This woman, he says, learned that Jesus was, she didn't just, she wasn't just, she wasn't like Zotan Lala, right? Just going for parties. She learned that Jesus was there and then she went. He invited Jesus. She went to meet Jesus. Second, he is reclining on the table. But where is this woman? On the feet of Jesus, on the floor. When, Jesus, when Simon was restrained in his action towards him, uh, whereas Simon was restrained in his, uh, 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 um, his actions towards Jesus, she was absolutely extravagant. And the question is why? Very simple, verse 47. She was demonstrating how much she loved him. How much she loved him. And I want us to see how we can learn from this woman three things that will show us how to love Jesus even more. Three things. How do we express love for Jesus? Three things. One, concept. Two, command. Three, communion. Concept, command, communion. Let's go with the first one. Concept. Now, we're in Lagos again, and here's the thing about Lagos is that we have many spiritual people around. And maybe you're a spiritual person here. Wonderful. You know what I mean by spiritual people? People that see dreams, 
people that have had encounters, people that have lived other lives, people that were born 900 years ago in Egypt. And you may have been a woman then, but you're now a man now. People have spiritual encounters, and their spiritual encounter with Jesus is the main way, visions and dreams is the main way they learn about Jesus. But can I tell you, imagine you are married to somebody, this person side by side. You have a dream about the person slapping you, slapping you, slapping you. So you now get up, and then you now slap the person. So why did you slap me? Say, because you are slapping me. Where? In my dream. That's not reality, is it? I have my, I have my, I'm married, thank God. As you can see, you saw how beautiful my wife is. Right? She's even more beautiful in person. Uh, sorry, of course she's more beautiful in person. Here's one thing I've learned about marriage. You need to study the person. Part of what marriage is about is knowing more and more about the person. You see, Simon knew Jesus as a teacher, and he was. But he was much more than a teacher. He even said... This man cannot be a prophet. Isn't that what he said? This man cannot be a prophet. Now, Jesus encountered an uneducated Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. After telling her things about herself that nope, she, she'd never, she hadn't told a number of people, and she had never met Jesus, you know what, Jesus, what she said? She said, ah, sir, this is John 4, uh, 4, 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are what? A prophet. Simon needed to upgrade his theology. He was a teacher, but he was what? Also a prophet. But he was much more than a prophet. Because there are other religions, some of us have converted from them, that also say that Jesus is a prophet, isn't it? But he was much more than a prophet. In fact, he was the final prophet. God told Moses, the very first prophet, that Moses, see, you have a lineage of prophets. But I am taking that lineage to a final prophet. This is Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. I am taking that lineage to a final prophet, the fulfillment of all prophets, that when that prophet comes, they will listen to him in a way, that, uh, the people will listen to him in a way they've never listened to any prophet. This prophet is the one with the final message. So that in Acts chapter 3, when Peter is talking about Jesus as the fulfillment of all of these things, he quotes that verse. But in Hebrews chapter 1, it also says this, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to our fathers, by who? The prophet, has in this last day spoken to us by his son. In other words, Jesus is both the final prophet, but also he's the culmination of the prophet's message. Are you following me? And I'm saying that to people who are very much in the prophetic. You can be so prophetic, prophetic, and you don't bring in Jesus. Jesus is the culmination of all the prophets and the prophet's message. That's why Revelation 19.10 says what? The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the final prophet when it comes to the redemption of God's plan. So any other religion that says, yeah, Jesus is a prophet, but there are some prophets that are coming after him, they need to upgrade their theology. He's not just a teacher, he's a prophet, but he's not just a prophet, he's the last prophet. But did you see in that Hebrews chapter 1, it says something. God has spoken to us in these last days by who? His son. That prophet, Moses was a servant and was a prophet, but this prophet is God's own son. God's own son. Remember, the guests, the other guests at the, um, at the party, they asked a question. 
They said about Jesus, said, who is this that forgives sins? They were asking something implicitly that some other people had asked explicitly in two chapters before. In Luke chapter 5, some friends brought um, a paralytic to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he spoke to that paralytic and he, says, he said, your sins are forgiven. And then the guest asked the question. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins except who? Exactly. Exactly. Because Jesus is not just a teacher, he's a prophet. He's not just a prophet, he's the final prophet. But he's not just the final prophet, a human being. He is the final prophet, a divine human being. Jesus is not just a human being. Jesus is God that became what? A human being. They needed to upgrade their theology. And maybe somebody needs to upgrade their theology today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to upgrade your theology. You see, this is the reason why I have to say this. This is why some people even mistake. You say, why did you say love God, love people, and love Lagos? Why is it love Jesus? Why? Because there are other people that can say they love God. And we all say we are serving the same God. The moment you bring Jesus in, now there is a separation. Because the Jesus that became, the God, that, uh, God the Son that became a human being in the person of Jesus, is the second person of the three person and one God. Are we together? If you want to know Jesus and you want to love Jesus, we have to study about Jesus. You cannot just say that you are in love with someone, you have a spouse, and you don't know anything about the. See, I've met some people that are dating. Honestly, dating. And when they were dating and we were just talking to them, the other one did not know all the family members, I mean the siblings of that other one. Literally. And you want to get married. How can you say you love me when you don't even want to know who my family members are? Are we, are we following? If we have to relate to Jesus as he truly is, there is a book or there are a couple of books in a Bible that speak about him. Can we stop wearing our ignorance as a badge of honor? Say, ah, you know me, I'm just a simple Christian. I don't know Bible, though. I don't know Bible. But Jesus speaks to me. You are, you are not speaking. Don't speak like that. There is something to know about him if you have to love him. We have to develop and see the concept of Jesus as has been given to us in scriptures. Let us further know who Jesus is. That's why in this church we say learning is one of our culture building emphases. But it's not just the concept, but also what? The commands. You see, this woman was referred to as one who had lived a sinful lifestyle. That was the thing they didn't catch. It said she had lived a sinful lifestyle. It didn't say she was living a sinful lifestyle. She used to live in a certain way that used to transgress God's command. But now, as she's at the feet of Jesus, she was living another life. Obedience to God matters. It does matter. And I'm saying that, you know, because some people like to talk about freedom in a sense. Christ has saved me from every sin and blah, blah. Yes, it's true. But obedience matters. Listen, if you see me doing public um, um, display of affection to my wife, and yet I don't know much about my wife, or yet I keep violating, I keep calling her names that she says she doesn't like, how can I say I love my wife? Only just because I have studied her? If I am violating things, commandments, you know, wives do have commandments, just so you know. My wife has ten commandments, and I try to keep them as much as I can. 
Amen if, they, if there's a guy here that knows that wives have commandments. She's sitting right next to him so that if he says the wrong thing, there are consequences. You see, rules and regulations are an expression of our relationships, an expression of the thing. Sorry, let me say that again. We have rules and regulations in relationships. They are there to regulate our relationships. And they regulate our relationship based on who and what we are. So when I say, I don't like this thing being done. I don't like this thing being done. This rule and this command is an expression of who I am. And for you to follow it is going to help with our relationship. Are we following? And so we have to really be careful. Yes, we live in Lagos. Yes, this is a cosmopolitan place. Yes, hopefully this is a modern church. But I don't want us to come inside here, see all the people looking nice, red hair, yellow hair, green hair, all of those things, and think that we should not take the commandment of God seriously. The problem that we have is this, is that people make up commandments. Jesus said that to the Pharisees. He said, you, may, you teach for commandments the doctrine of elders. In other words, they add commandments because there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't color your hair. There's nothing in the Bible that says that, you can't, that guys can't have dreadlocks. In fact, John the Baptist most likely had dreadlocks. The problem is not keeping commandments. The problem is when we add commandments, those are the things that are not good. But I want to tell people here, don't start saying all we need is Jesus and commandments don't matter again because you want to look uh, 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 cool, you want to look uh, 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 fresh, you want to look relevant. What is the use of being cool and being disobedient? What is the use of being fresh and being rebellious? What is the use of being relevant and also being defiant? It makes no sense. Jesus says, chapter before this, 646, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? And just before you think it's all about Lord and it's all about being obedient, look at what John 14, 15 says. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my command. And so, first of all, we have to know about Jesus conceptually, theologically. Who is this Jesus? If you say you really want to love him, but you also have to obey his commandments if you say you truly want to love him. And then it takes me to the third one, communion. Communion. You see, because if you are the thinking type, you will like the, you will like the concept, the content part of Jesus. If you are the active type, the doing type, you will like the commandments. But when we talk about love, love is an expression of the heart. And the heart is the control center of your mind, of your will, and of your emotions. In other words, there is an emotional component to this thing. There is an emotional component to this thing. Love must not just be shown rationally or actively. It must also be shown what? affectionately, and this is where this woman shows us so much, and I don't want us to miss it. What is this woman doing? This woman comes into a party where all of the other people are reclining with Jesus, and what does she do? She goes down on her knees, and she is wiping what the, the feet of Jesus with her hair. First of all, that shows that she is more self-aware than Simon is. Simon said, you're a sinner. The woman said, you don't even know the half of it. 
Her sinfulness makes her go down at the feet of Jesus. She is in a place of humility, a place of even humiliation, because she knows that, man, if you know the things I have done, many times, sometimes, honestly, the truth is that we come into the presence of God and we just feel like, hey, you know what? I, I had a good week. Do you know how much I gave to people? And you understand? It's like, you know, some of, one of my pet peeves is uh, when men of God, I've said this a number of times, men of God, somebody in his 40s, one 60-something-year-old woman will come, she will say, Daddy, you say, oh, yes, come in, ma. Are you, have you lost your mind? And sometimes that's the thing. We, there's this, this our familiarity with Jesus. It makes us almost feel like, yeah, I'm not that bad. Why won't Jesus want to have me? This woman was down on her feet. Why? Down on, uh, on her knees. Why? Because she was very aware of her sinful life. But there was another reason she was down on her feet. She was aware of the person in whose presence she was. She knew that this was no ordinary person. This was no ordinary teacher. I dare not stand where he is standing. She went at the feet of Jesus. In other words, here's what she's saying. What, what we can see with this woman. She's not just knowing Jesus theoretically. She's not just expressing her love for him dutifully. She's expressing it what affectionately. She's not just doing it with her mind. She's doing it with her what? Body. And this is happening anytime we come into the presence of God in worship. That is at some point, some of us become the most rational that we are. It's at that point we now say, you know what? It's not all about how I move. It's not all about that. It's just, it's what is inside my heart. Just what we are saying. Are you just a mind? You are a mind and what? A body as well. And even if you never show your passion anywhere else, this is the very place you must show it. Why? Because now you are in the presence of someone that is like no other person. But the woman continues because what she's doing is not just that she is worshipping, not just that she's down on her feet, but there was an extravagance. Ah, she took her alabaster box, which was expensive, and she took an expensive perfume. It was an expensive perfume. <laughs> Anytime my wife wants to threaten me or something, if I'm just annoying her, she'll just carry one of my perfumes. I'll say, I'm, I'm sorry, please, please, please. She took a very expensive perfume, something that was of value to her. She broke it and she started to use it to wipe the feet of Jesus. In other words, there was something exuberant about what she was doing in her form of worship. She was expressing her love for Jesus in such an exuberant way. And that was what got other people uncomfortable. And sometimes that's the problem. We are in worship and we are thinking about how the other person is expressing their love. Hey, this one is just speaking in tongues. Hey, this one, she's laughing. I remember one day somebody was worshiping here and the lady just started laughing hysterically. And some people started looking like, what kind of thing is that? I was just looking. Yeah. She is not looking at you. She is looking to God. You, you are looking at her. So sometimes we become uncomfortable. Why are we uncomfortable? Maybe it's because these people have a freedom to do something that we are too constrained to do. This woman came into the presence of Jesus and said, nothing is going to hold me back because you don't know what this Jesus has done for me. Simon was still on the, on the table with Jesus. Why? Because he was the one that invited Jesus. He had done something for Jesus. But if Jesus has done something for you, you don't look to your right, you don't look to your left, you look up at him and you express your worship in an exuberant way. This is really important for me because I want to say the city church, we have tried, we have tried, music is getting better. But if we are going to enter into another level of God, then we must be people who are passionately worshipping God. I pray that God will deliver some people from their embarrassment here today. Let me tell you one example. This example, I love it so much. It was David. David at some point 
was now returning back the ark back to Jerusalem. He had ruled in Hebron for seven years. Imagine this guy. He had run for decades for his life. God promised him he was going to be a king. And yet he couldn't get to the throne. He had run for decades away from Saul. Eventually he becomes king. But he's king over one tribe. He has not yet ascended to the throne in Jerusalem for seven years. And then he wants to bring the ark. Then somebody got smitten by the ark called Uzzah because they didn't do things in the right order. And eventually they took the ark to, the, to, um, to, uh, to someone's house. His name was Obededom. They thought the ark was a problem. God started to bless Obededom. He said, ah, Obededom, this thing can't stay here. <laughs> we must take it back. He now found out what the problem was. They, they didn't do it in the right order. So now David, they now find out that we have to put the priests. And David is saying, man, do you know what is about to happen now? The presence of God is coming to Jerusalem. At that point, David said, I'm going to dance. Took Samuel chapter 6. He said, wearing a leaning effort, David was dancing before the Lord. How? My Bible says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your what? Might. Soul and strength. David was, boy, he was, he was dancing before the Lord with all. I pray that somebody will start to dance again. Amen. Listen to what he then says after. Keep going. In verse 16, he says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she what? When she saw him doing that to the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Take you to the next one, verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She's his wife too. How the king has really distinguished himself today. Ah, you don't want to know. King, say you, with your studded uh, Ankara that you bought for 45,000. Now, well, you are just rolling over the floor in church. Well done. Say that you have distinguished yourself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, of his servants, of his of slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. Hey, you know there are some times you have been waiting to say something to somebody, but the time has not yet come. You know there's somebody, there's something you want to say, but the time has not yet come. But there is such a time. When the fullness of time comes together, I'm like, now I'm going to say it. David had been keeping something in his heart. He said, now I'm going to say it. Okay, it's me you're talking to like that. <laughs> Verse 21, he then said, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. <laughs> or anyone in your father's house, when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, I will celebrate before who? The Lord. I don't care about the people that are to my right and my left. Let, let me tell you one secret that David is doing here. Never forget this. Never forget this. Because there are so many thing, cl things clamoring for our, our hearts. Right? Maybe you're a good singer. Maybe you're a good finance person. Maybe you're a good lawyer. And people are giving you accolades over and over and over again. Listen, those accolades are wonderful. They are good things, but they can steal your heart away from Jesus. Jesus gave it to you. God gave it to you. And yet those things could steal your heart. So what David was doing, remember he said, I will celebrate before the Lord, the Lord who gave me this throne. David is saying, this one who gave me this throne, I am going to come before him and I will put the throne down. If you ever want to deliver yourself from idolatry, the things that God has given you, as you are worshipping God, say, I hope you can hear it. 
You can say, I can say, for instance, God, this ministry, ministry here, it is because of the Lord. Maybe some of you here, it is the, it is the conglomerate that God has given you. Maybe some of you, it is the building construction site God has given you. As you come before the presence of the Lord, thank you for it and say, I want you to hear this. That is my God. You are not. Because what David was doing was, as he was communing with God, he was decommuning from the things that could take his own away from God. She was down at the feet. And the people were looking down at her. Look at this woman. Look at what she's doing at the feet of Jesus Christ. Just, just being on the feet there. And they were looking down at her. You know what's so ironic? You see, when she was down at Jesus' feet, she was at the most highest place. Because she was seated with him in heavenly places. Don't you know what the songwriter said? Down. At your feet, oh God, is the most high place. In your presence, Lord, oh, yes. I seek your face. I seek your face. Down at your feet, Lord. Down at your feet, oh God. Is the most high place in your presence, Lord? I seek your face. I seek your face. There is no, there is no higher calling. No. so convinced about this. Some people are going to get delivered today. Some people are going to enter into things that you have not imagined. Let me explain. When David said that thing, you know what he said in verse 23 after? Put it on what he says in verse 23. She despised him in, in, his, in her heart. But he says, Amical, daughter of Saul, what? Had no children to the day of her death. Michal, David, Michal was more concerned because she grew up in a palace. She was more concerned about the throne. She loved the throne. But David loved the giver of the throne. Are you understanding? And so because she had, God had done so much for her already. And there are people that here God has done so much for. Michal was the daughter of a king. She was also now the wife of a king. God had blessed her. But now, because of her ingratitude, because of the idols in her heart, the blessing of God stopped. He stopped her lineage. 
But for David who worshipped in the presence of the Lord, have you read the chapter that is after this? The chapter after this, David said, I want to build a house for the Lord. God said, you can't build a house for me. Why? Because your hands are too bloody. But because of what you have done, I am going to make an everlasting lineage for you. One person despised the worship of God and her blessings stopped. The other person, after he had been blessed by God, he went to God and God said, I'm opening another door for you. If you will worship God with your heart, if you will pursue Jesus with your heart, I declare to you, he will open another door for you. Let us learn how to cast our crowns before him. Jesus is, listen, we love so many things in this world. And those things are calling for attention. They are calling for our devotion. And there are people that will give you accolades. And you'll be sometimes... You know, swimming in your, in your feet. Like, ah, you, do you know what this person said about me? Do you know what this person said about me? See what we've done. You'll be texting people about it. Worshipping yourself. But here is what happens. As we do that, eventually, these things cannot give us blessings. They were blessings from God. The blessings that God gives you cannot give you blessings. Only God can give you the blessing. And so when we come before God, we do like the 24 elders. The 24 elders before the throne of God, what did they say about them? They said that they went down on their knees and they were worshipping God. But one man of God showed me something I've never seen it before. He said this, as they went down on their knees, they cast their crown. Listen, going down on your knees is useless if you do not cast down your crown. The blessing that God gave them, they cast it down. And when you cast down that blessing, God opens the door for another blessing. We must be people that cast our crowns before him. If we want to show, oh God, that we love Jesus. Hallelujah. As you are singing, I want you to do th this. There are two or three things that you value the most in your life. It may be your education. It may be your wealth. Something that God has given you. It may be your children. As you sing casting crowns, as you sing lifted hands, as you sing bowing down, bowing hearts, put those things down before Jesus. Think about the things. Hallelujah. Adonai, 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 Thank you. 
said I will celebrate before the Lord. As you celebrated before the Lord, may the Lord celebrate you again. May the Lord cause your tears to turn into joy. As you celebrated and you put those crowns before him, may he leave those crowns and give you even more crowns. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, I need to round up. I've not even got into my third point, but you can stay here. Because somebody would say something like this. So, all I need to do is to love Jesus more. If I love Jesus more, I will receive his forgiveness. That is putting the cart before the horse. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who brushes their teeth once a day at least. And they brush it in the morning. That's wrong, you know that. Because you are brushing in anticipation of the bacteria that come. You brush it at night to remove all the things. That, has put the, that can put the bacteria there. Is, it, is, that, is that okay? I hope some people have been delivered now. <laughs> you brush your teeth wrong all the time. In verse 50, it says, it was her faith that saved him. Huh? It wasn't her love for Jesus that saved her. It was, there is love and there is faith, but the faith that she had in Jesus that saved her was the thing that produced the love. Are we together? You don't receive him by loving him more. You receive him by putting your trust in him and that's why Jesus had to tell a parable he said because see it's when you put your faith in him that he produces love in you but as you understand what he has done for you more he produces great love he says she loved much so he tells a parable a guy was owed two months of wages another guy owed two years of wages and the debt was cancelled for both of them who do you think will love more Maybe you don't really understand. Let me give you a more contemporary example. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in Manchester. I was on my, in my workplace. And it's a place where most of the people are British. And one guy came in. Niger guy, you will know. A friend of mine just came in. He was shaking. Femi. 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 I said, guy, there are people around. What's up? He said, Femi. I said, let's go out. Do you know what happened to him? The guy came to Manchester to study. And when he came, he had not paid any of his school fees. He came with 700 pounds, he and his wife. His school fees was about 12,000 pounds. That's how we in Nigeria do it, was just, just said. And he said he was just going to work, work, work to pay the school fees. So he was doing school, he was doing the school fees. He was doing school, he was trying to pay the school fees, small by small by small. He finished the master's one year. He was working, 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 we're working in the same place. But at some point, when a deadline was reached, he still, he had paid a lot, but he had paid 7,000 dollars, 7,000 pounds, he was still owing 5,000 pounds. And so now he was at the mercy of a panel. And in that panel, because there was no more time, in that panel they were going to decide his fate. Number one, they could say, pay now. But he didn't have the money. Number two, they could say, well, since you don't have the money, we are going to make your degree void. If that happened, he would not just lose the degree. Do you know what will happen? He will not just lose the degree, he will lose the 7,000 pounds he has, he, has he has paid to them. But also, in that night, that night, he has to go back to Nigeria because he will have expired. He needed the degree to apply for a, a work visa after what we call post-study visa. So he would have had to go back. But there was option three. 
And on option three, somebody just looked at him, looked at him, looked at him, and said, we canceled the 5,000 pounds, take your degree. Just like that. So when he came, he was shaking. You see, that same guy, somebody had taken him out for a fancy dinner. And that fancy dinner, they paid 50 pounds. Let me tell you what, when you, somebody pays for your dinner, do you know what you say? Ah, thank you. That is so nice of you. When somebody cancels your school fees of 5,000 pounds, you start to shake. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, the debt that you and I had, Jesus did not pay some kind of fancy dinner bill for us. Jesus paid your nursery school, your primary school, your secondary school, your university, first degree, second degree, third degree, and all your certifications and even more. It is because he has forgiven us much that we love him much. Don't miss this point of this story. The point of this story is not the love that the woman had for Jesus. The point of the story was the love that Jesus' first love had for her. It is not that we love God, but that God what? first loved us and he gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins there is somebody here you have invited jesus into your heart but revelation 33 verse 20 says this behold i stand at the door and knock we are tired of inviting jesus into our heart jesus is knocking at the door of your heart will you let him in for those whose love is waning will you let him in i don't care how old you are how long you've been in church jesus is knocking on the door of your heart will you cast your crowns before him Let's sing that song again. As you open your heart to Jesus, cast your crown, cast all idols before Him. listening to the gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.